are listening to a Called Collective podcast where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the Coffee and Calling podcast with Griffin Dan. You want to do our signature high five real quick? Oh, yeah. Our signature. That was pretty sad. That was pretty sad. That's cool. Goodness. Hey, we'll work on it as the days go. Ready? Three, two, one. Well, that's better. That's better. So much better. Hey, before we get started, uh, me and Griff just want to say thank you for everybody that's been listening, everybody that's supported us. Um, this is the first time me and him have done really anything like this. Um, our whole team, like putting this together has been so much fun. And again, we just really appreciate all of you and just the, the time you've taken to listen to us and thank you for your grace as we've been trying to perfect our craft on this and yeah, we're excited going forward and to be doing this for a while. So yeah. Uh, Griff, do you want to introduce our guest for today? Yeah. With us today is... Uh, Grant Armstrong, he recently just returned to a trip to Hawaii where he uh, pronounced or pronounced, proposed to his girlfriend. And he's the most recently engaged man that I know. Grant, how was Hawaii? It was great. Uh, The pictures were great while I looked at it in uh, uh, Tennessee. So it was a good time. (laughs) Just to clarify, everybody listening, um, Grant decided to go the um, old man in the 70s retired look and wear a nice little Hawaiian shirt for us today. You can look it up. It's a good look. The stash is coming next week. Thank you very much. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Well, Grant, uh, all jokes aside, can you just tell us uh, for our our viewers and our, listen, our listeners, something, some stuff about yourself, where you're at in life right now, what you're doing, and who you are. Yeah, well, uh, my name is Grant Armstrong. Grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, technically Celine, but we claim A2, so we love Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> it's a good spot. Um, go Blue. Uh, I grew up in church my whole life. Loved it. It's a, it's a good place. Um, I'm in the current program right now. So mm-hmm. I'm in my fourth year doing my master's program. Uh, Masters of Practical Theology and Ministry, MDiv equivalent, and I'm youth pastoring at New Life Community Church here in Marion, Indiana. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's awesome. We're like, we're really excited to have you. Um, for anybody listening, uh, Grant is actually one of my roommates and one of my best friends. It's true. And I'm very, I'm very excited to have this conversation with him. And, um, and one thing I want to ask you, Grant, is in our first episode, um, we were talking about how People in Michigan seem to have a really unhealthy obsession with how much they love Michigan. Pride. Very, pri- yeah, I, Very I, hate, I hate to call it out, but as a Michigander himself and everything, what would you what would you say is the why why do you all love Michigan so much? Listen, I I hear I hear the sin of pride there. It, it's real. It's real. It, you know. Every nation, every land got their own type of thing. Pride in Michigan is for real. I, I love how he says pride, but then he equates Michigan to a nation. <laughs> <laughs> to a land like Jerusalem. Like this is our great nation of it Michigan. Is, it's new Jerusalem. Bad theology. Um, it's the new Babylon. No, we, listen, Michigan's got a lot to offer. Listen, I don't That's think true. it's the best state in America. but in I think America. It, it's at least top seven, at least. So if I it didn't think, have Detroit, it'd be like top five. 
Oof. Hey, the D's I'm on the just, up. I've never the been. The D's on the up. We love Detroit. The D's on the up. <laughs> D is not the sports, but the D. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough being a Lions fan. It's oh, it's you're good a Lions being a fan? Michigan fan. So goodness. Anyway, there's a lot to offer. They I like the lakes on the mm-hmm. west side. The west side yeah. is super it's the California of the Midwest. The yeah. west side of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's one? Say, you yeah. kind of have oh, hey, you good. Go I was going to say you kind of have everything you like like land-wise in Michigan, you've got a ton. Like you've got bodies yeah. of water, you've got big forests mm-hmm. up near, you know, the UP. UP. But, yeah, I'd I'd possibly live in the UP one day. Really? Yeah. That's it's a whole lot of nothing. Be an ascetic, an ascetic <laughs> up there. Just fast. It's crazy. Like a monastery out there. Yeah. You. I couldn't do that. But the, well, we referred to the, never mind. It's good. The UP is <laughs> a good spot. <laughs> uh, a crazy idea I was thinking about the other day, because you just said like the monastery and like the monks and everything, is that on IWU campus, this actually, I was talking to my friend, shout out my boy Garrett from North Carolina University. Um, but he said the other day, he said, yeah, I was hanging out with one of my guys from a Christian frat. And I paused it for a second. I was like, what did you Christian just say? Frat. Christian frat. I know and that's we have one and he I said, they're, they're literally like the, the Tar Heel Brotherhood. And they're literally like a frat where you come in and you actually do like, it's like a brotherhood type of mentality of like brothers in Christ, ironing, sharpening iron really just beautiful things of like, just like true, like, like a right way to have a group of guys come together and sharpen one another as men of men of God. That's at NCU. Yeah. I know guys in that frat. Oh, I have friends in that frat too. That's crazy. It's a small, we didn't even know we had that connection. (laughs) Look at that. Look at that, (laughs) baby. But I I was thinking like, what would that, you know, what if, if something was like that to start at IWU, what what would you guys think? Like Like Hodson. Oh, it looked like an elite version so, of Hodson. So Hodson is one of our dorms here. Um, and they're known as the the Hotsman Scotsman. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's another name that honestly like got years ago, but it was known as the Hotson Hotties. And that That's kind true. of explains the the kind of energy that we got, you know, coming into that that room and everything. There's it's a some, good spot. It's but, got a, it's got a character of its own there. It's yeah. definitely like the the party life. Assassin's cool though. Assassin With the is nerf cool. guns. Yeah. yeah. It's as for anybody who doesn't know, Assassins is like ner- a giant campus wide multi week long Nerf gun fight. It's dope. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know that we met one of our good friends, Alexander Henry, because you um actually like yep. you were assigned him yep. and then straight up killed him. Yeah, I Nerf. actually that was dope. I hid my Nerf gun in my hoodie <laughs> and I said, Hey man, can you hold the door for me? As he was holding the door. Popped up on him, rolled up, bow, bow gone, bow, took off on him. He said, "Nerf like or nothing, <laughs> nerf or nothing, baby." Ski drive by. <laughs> he was just trying to be a good friend, hold a door for me, you know. And he had to get rolled up on. So that's how it goes. Well, Grant, there's a uh, there's a question that we ask everybody on the podcast when they come on. They don't, um, uh, we don't prepare them for this question. So um, I just want your honest answer. What comes to mind? So if you were to have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. With any person in the Bible other than Jesus, who are you having that cup with? It's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> That's a hard one. Uh, Thank you. I mean, the first thing that came to mind would be Paul. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy is dope. I mean, he's got the majority of the books in the New Testament. He's been around. Talk about cultural mover and how to I would love to, yeah, I think I'll go with Paul. There's a lot of people that I would want to, but Paul might be one of my number ones just on the fact of how did, why did you choose the major places that you did? And how do you, how did you 
create that healthy acts? I mean, how did you create and rebuke a church? Mm. And like, how did you strategically plan where to go when and like, why pick Corinthian or uh, Corinth and Ephesus and all of these major spots that are like booming cities? And then how did you produce fruit from it? And then how do you undergo such so much suffering with such joy? And mm, yeah. I would just love to glean from that. It's crazier because like no one had did it before. Like no one had planted churches before. He was yeah. the first church planter, first culture shaper. And uh, even on like, what was that first 10 years in uh, Tarsus? Like yeah, yeah. W- before he was called by Barabbas, you know, for anybody who doesn't quite know that narrative, Paul is uh, converted. And then it's a decade before mm-hmm. Barabbas or not Barabbas, sorry, Barnabas comes and takes Paul and is like, Hey Paul, we need you to come disciple. So what was, how did he train? Like what, what was his life like 10 years of knowing Christ before going on mission? Like, mm-hmm. like was he just making tents and sharing the gospel with people who bought from, you know? Yeah. Shameless yeah. plug. Um, and uh, N.T. Wright's book on his biography from Paul, yeah. uh, it it like kind of theorizes what he thinks those early life of Paul was like. Anybody who is looking for a good book on Paul's life, mm-hmm. I loved his theories there. So, well, we were talking about in the the second uh, the second episode, I believe, or maybe the first one, but just about bivocational ministry. Um, and we look at that, and I talked about like that first ten years for Paul, mm. where he's just learning and he's growing and such a man that's adamant about his faith. I don't think it would be a, a bold conclusion to think that he's building these tents, but not also trying to talk to people that are in his hometown and minister to them in certain ways. Um, but just also how he went throughout his ministry and he worked and he knew that there was times where to live out his ministry and everything, he had to humbly also serve in a lot of different ways and earn his money so that he wouldn't be a, a grievance to those communities and everything. Um, and that's another thing is that Paul was such this beautiful example of like a modern, how we can do ministry in this modern day and how, you know, some people push away or think, Oh, it wouldn't be healthy to maybe have a like second job or certain things. Like if you get hold up, like how the ship straight up crashed on uh, <laughs> in this Island, they had to stay there for like months on end and everything and how, you know, he had redirections and things that he didn't expect. And that's why uh, those little details, and when you read N.T. Wright's book, you can see those details in history for how long he was sitting in certain spots. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be even a more example to us about the journey of as we do ministry, how there are these unexpected turns and there's these right. unexpected things that we have to do, but we can still live out the minist- our ministry uh, callings, even through all of those like up and downs. And I think he ex- exemplifies that super well. Um, yeah, that's well said. And it's a word that I think a lot of times we need to hear in today's because I, I think one of the biggest things I hear in people in ministry is that they just have these turns or it's almost like the ship has crashed when they thought they were supposed to do something at a certain time. And they're like, well, what do I, what do I do now? And Paul, uh, Paul would be like, keep ministering. You know, mm. just keep ministering. Okay, pastor. <laughs> okay, pastor. <laughs> nice. mm. Was I basic there? Did a lot of people say Paul? No. Oh, You're okay. the first person to say okay. Paul. Okay. Did, Did we forget, forget to what? ask uh, Paula? No, uh, pa- no, Paula said Phoebe. Phoebe. That's dope. She Phoebe's delivered uh, the Romans, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't ask you that, though, right? That's what's up. You didn't one. ask me that. Because no, we didn't start doing it to the second question. Um, mm. 
my my go to is Daniel because my I'm named after Daniel. Um, and he just the prayer, the risk early on, you know, knowing that he's praying and he he didn't do it in a hiding way, like they could see him, you know, praying, mm-hmm. and he was so open still about his service to the Lord, even though he knew he could be killed for it. And then cool. he's thrown into the lion's den and then just everything that, you know, with his life. But my simple short answer is him just because such a faithful servant in the Lord. Also, he had some crazy dreams about the end mm. time. And I'd always want to be like, so what was that like waking can you up? A picture? After that? <laughs> Bro, can you? Can, can you, you please? A picture of what? I don't really I don't understand what you're talking about. Right <laughs> For anybody that doesn't know, like Daniel and guys like John had these crazy dreams about the end times. And one thing I always think about was what was like waking up the next morning Whoa. after those yeah. dreams? What did I oh, eat last night? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta write this down. Man, communion was hitting last night. <laughs> I gotta get out of Babylon. This is bad. <laughs> but then Daniel wasn't allowed to tell nobody. <laughs> so it's like you wake up and you're like, oh, what am, what am I putting? <laughs> Someone comes in, he's like going into the uh, the kingdom the next day. And it's like, hey, Daniel, how was your night? Oh, good. Yeah, great. He slept. Had, yep. some, had some bad dreams, but it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> well, uh, Griffin, do you want to ask the second question that we normally go into? Yeah. So we're going to get into the meat, big uh, meat and potatoes of what the podcast is about. Cool. And that's about your call into ministry. So just um, you can start wherever you'd like. But tell us about how you uh, came to be called to ministry when you recognized that call. Mm. Yeah. So I grew up in the church. I think early signs was, um, my mom loves to tell stories now as I've kind of stepped up in pastoral leadership and done that stuff. Uh, She was like, I I realized when you were a young kid, maybe like three or four, she was like, I think this kid's either going to be a preacher or a politician because like we'd be... uh, shopping, you know, in a grocery store, she'd have me in the little seat and I'd be like talking to grandmas or like, you know, like I can't imagine, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'd like try to make conversation with like that, like the grandmas of the store. Like, so she, she saw like, there was this like trait that I love to be around people. And that I, I just like wanted to connect with people. So that's like a simple thing, you know, that doesn't qualify you for pastoral leadership, but that's like a trait that some people have for that. Um, so growing up, I, I grew up in the church and I think the biggest highlight was I started getting involved in the church young, started teaching small groups, uh, for five-year-olds. Um, but as I developed in my faith walk, I really questioned Christianity and it was, a, uh, about freshman year of high school until junior year of high school that I just like kind of shut the door on my faith and just was like, man, I think this is, um, a load of garbage, honestly. Like, I don't mm. think this is real. Uh, I I didn't think that Christianity could answer any of my questions. And I really went through a, a long season of depression and trying to figure out what is life when it feels so meaningless. I just mm-hmm. do the same thing every day. Uh, so when it gets down to calling, I have a unique testimony of I was saved and called to ministry on the same night. Mm. Uh, I was getting back from a mission trip from Tennessee where I was like, I do not want anything with God. I think everybody was crying on the last night, you know, the cry night. And everybody was uh, feeling, I was like, this is a load of garbage. There's no way this is real. Like they're all faking this emotion. People are just hyping up like emotional experiences. I'm done. And my buddy calls me at 2 a.m., Jay Drew. uh, And he goes, 
hey man, I bought a ticket for you to come to a conference with me at a youth camp. I'll pick you up in the morning. I'm like, I'm not going, bro. Like, and he was like, there'll be cute girls. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. You know, <laughs> he was quick. He was quick with the he high school how to experience. Contextualize it. Yeah. So, hey man, it's real. You know, it's real. That's really how some like that really happens. We're like, yeah, you'll go into it, but it's just <laughs> crazy how you come in for certain reasons, and it's like, just yeah, yeah. And the Lord it. meets you. You know, like he he hooked me with. He's like, you don't gotta have the right reasons <laughs> to be here. I'm gonna talk to you whether you want to or not. You think you're coming for this, but you just wait. <laughs> oh, so third night at camp uh, is where I really received my calling, um, if you want to say it that way. And I was. Um, really tired of the services like worship was a couple hours I was like bro my feet are hurting can we get out of here i'm here to talk to ladies and play some games like and there's this sermon about jenga blocks and it just like clicked in a unique way where he was talking about you build your life in sports or status or popularity or all these different things and you pull them out they crumple but Christ is the immovable cornerstone or the immovable Jenga block. And that your life will never crumple set on your maker. And I was like, yo, that makes sense. That, that, that makes sense. Um, and worship starts going and playing. And I was like, you know what, God, I have been in this meaningless life. Um, and if you're real, will you even show yourself to me? And in that moment, the Holy spirit entered me. Um, and it was, Literally like you are carrying a backpack that is heavy and you take it off. And it was like light in my mm-hmm. body. Um, and I was like, whoa, if this, this is you, this is what it's like to be with Christ. I will follow you for the rest of my life. And later that night, pastor comes back up at the conference and he just basically explained how that he felt there students who had loved teaching their whole life and they need to go into ministry. And very clearly, uh, I just stood up and I, I just proclaimed, I've, I've wanted to teach my whole life. This is going into my senior year of high school. So I was planning for college to go be a teacher in Michigan. And like, that was going to be my career path. Loved working with kids. Uh, that was the goal. And just in the moment was like, my calling is to teach people the way of Jesus. Uh, so I got saved and called in the same night as kind of a, a crazy experience. And then it was a progression of events now, you know, of where am I going out in ministry? What does that look like? But, but that was like the initial night. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you did this summer, because that's a pretty cool story. <laughs> that is. Yeah. So me and my lovely fiance now, whoop, whoop. Yo, that's what's up. Uh, Eden Byer, amazing woman of God, amazing partner that I get. So I cannot wait to marry her, marry her. We went on mission to South Africa together. Um, and if you're, if you're looking at this on the video, she's over there in the corner of the room. That's why I keep looking away from everybody. But, um, yeah, we went on mission to South Africa and I was really passionate about the States for a couple of years. And the Lord really did a work in my heart. And it's very clearly me and Dan actually, we're doing a uh, residency or an internship at a church uh, in Michigan. And I felt the Lord just tell me one night, be faithful to the Great Commission and like go. And all of a sudden, it, um, me and Eden just got these amazing opportunities to go on mission. And her side is super, super cool too. She's wanted to go to Africa for years and she could tell that story better someday. So if, if she ever gets to get on here and tell that story, that's a great question to ask. But um, 
we we went on mission and we served in squatter camps in South Africa and got to minister in some really hard places, but some really uniquely cool places. And we, we met the Lord in some really cool ways. So, yeah. And how did that time, you know, just being that kid, that was just, how was that moment to be doing that type of ministry? Mm. And then just thinking back a few years beforehand, you were just a kid coming to events because you wanted to meet some girls. But now you're going because you met the Lord's presence and you have a true desire to go and meet people where they're at. Like, what is that kind of a lot of reflecting on that change in such a few years, <laughs> few years, like, but mind you, this is three four, years, four, like four years, four years been a Christian, been a Christian and everything. How's that? How, how, does, uh, yeah. What's your, how does that speak to you? Mm. It's humbling, man. You don't know how much the Lord can do until you lean in and, and really want to desire his presence. Um, I would have never thought my life was going to be like this. I, I would have never thought uh, the addictions I had, either nicotine or pornography or, or whatever it is, would be broken by Christ in four years. Um, I would never imagine the joy and the blessings that he brought to me in my life, the, the brothers that have sharpened me, the sisters of faith who I've met and the community I'm in, um, the, the love that has filled my heart from where it used to be hollow. Um, it's ridiculous, man, what Christ can do to you in, in four short years. You know, if you're hungry and you lean in and you seek him, uh, he just desires willing people like that. So it's so humbling to like, think like, I, I can't do any of this. I tried for years to satisfy my soul. And you did that in, in months. Uh, you did that in one night, what I was looking for for 18 years, you know? I was 17. I was saved at 17. So, yeah, ridiculous. Fire. <laughs> and I know you're prepping here this summer, this upcoming summer, mm -hmm. number one, to get married. Yes, sir. And then what's the plan after that? The plan is to stick around in Marion for a little bit longer. Um, I'm youth pastoring at a church right now, like I mentioned earlier, uh, which the kids are amazing. Shout out new life. Um, and then we're planning on going to Australia. Mm -hmm. So there's a, uh, a, a, um, church out there that me and Eden both have, um, felt really called to, and we love the pastoral staff and she actually internshiped there our freshman year, so 2018, um, that summer. And so we're going to go out there and it's a huge, uh, population of refugees and people of other faiths and, uh, a really high percentage of atheists. And my heartbeat is really for discipleship and people who have not met the Lord, like, like I was like, and, uh, knowing that Christianity has real basis in apologetics, which is this, how do you argue your faith basically without the Bible? So like using that apologetics to go and reach people who think Christianity is silly or really meeting the Lord's mm -hmm. presence. So that's next summer. So I know you said earlier um, how you used to have like a heart for ministry in the States mm -hmm. and then that's kind of shifted for you. Um, how else has your call to ministry changed from that night <laughs> in your senior year till now? Bro, it, it kind of feels like I've had uh, Plato in my hands that the Lord is maybe a more biblical analogy would be uh, clay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I mean, honestly, you think about 
clay and the potter and that biblical example of Christ molding and shaping what he desires it to look like. So it's, Mm. I, I came in thinking youth ministry. Well, first I came in church planning because me and my buddy Jay Drew in high school would like dream up planning churches in Australia. Uh, and then it moved into youth ministry because I did uh, summer ministry teams, mm-hmm. which is uh, you go around through I, a, with a group of IWU students and you go and be camp counselors throughout the summer. And we went to like eight different states. So I was like youth ministry. And then I got into some more stuff and I was like, mm, discipleship. And then I was like youth ministry again. Mm-hmm. And then I was like missions. And now it's missions and discipleship. So it's like, ever changing every year. I feel like the more and more new ideas I get. Mm-hmm. Wow. One thing that that's really, you, you talk about in the beginning, but you struggling with God, if he's even real in mm-hmm. a very apologetics, like the proving of the existence of God and yeah. everything. And that's something that students listening to this podcast, um, feel that probably heavy mm. and that even youth pastors and leaders that might listen to this or even just parents or people, friends with other friends in their faith that have the same, they know people that have the same struggles you do internally with trying to wrestle with those things. What would you be your biggest advice to them on how to care for students that were like you and really properly like walk them through all those maybe, you know, doubts or questions that they have? Because I know there's a history of sometimes people not treating students like that well sure. and just saying half faith and everything. <laughs> um, but, you know, how, how would you, you know, share any wisdom on like how to guide those students through those wrestlings and everything? Question your own beliefs. Continually ask why. Um, I, it gets me into trouble sometimes, but I love to ask questions that you're like, that's probably heresy <laughs> or like, that's not what the church has believed for years. And I'm not saying go away from historical biblical orthodoxy. I'm saying you don't actually believe something until you're willing to deconstruct it and reconstruct it and mm-hmm. see what is true. So why does God exist? Why do you even believe that? Mm-hmm. Is there even truth? Asking those like really hard critical questions for yourself mm-hmm. and then into that, that softens your heart. These are just real honest questions. Never give a simple, there's no simple answer. Everything is connected to something. Mm. There's, there's, there's all these like spider webs of information throughout cultures and beginning to research and get into Mm. the meat of like, why do I even believe what I believe? Mm -hmm. What, what even is the Trinity wrestle with that? And I would and then out of that, wrestle with your students. So my advice would be to them or whoever you're at walking with people like that in your life, wrestle with them, make it relational. Ask the hard questions with them and find the hard answers with them mm-hmm. and do it out of like meekness, knowing that we, how, how do we know this inf- infinite God Yeah, and that we can just grasp a little bit of mm-hmm. who he is. Mm-hmm. That uh makes a lot like, I completely 100% agree with that. Um, the world, like like the science, not, not all scientific stuff, like science mm-hmm. is good, but I mean like the scientific world is asking these critical questions of scripture of how do we know that God's real or that 
um, Jesus really existed or that these texts are reliable, you know, textual criticism. And a lot of people, like I know some Christians are like, it's God, God's word. How dare I be critical of it? <laughs> but it's like, if everyone else is, is, is being critical, like outside of the Christian fold, then like we need to be, we need to be asking the same questions that they're asking. Like you yeah. said, to understand exactly where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it just, like it, it, it um, not hardens, but uh, solidifies your own beliefs because it's not just like, oh, I believe this because this is what I've been taught to believe as Orthodox Christianity. Instead, it's I've dug, I've, I've dug deep. I've done the work. I've looked at every other possible alternative and this is the one that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of just blindly saying, well, if I don't agree with this, if I ask questions, everybody's going to say I'm a heretic. <laughs> and it's like, no, ask the questions because non-Christians are asking those questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even, can I add one more thing yeah. in there is like, that's crucial to maturing in your faith. Yeah. Trust you're going to grow if you begin to ask those questions with the Holy Spirit prayerfully in community. Don't, to Christians, don't condemn people who are asking those questions. Don't be scared of that. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thing to question your faith, but don't walk into that with confidence knowing our God is a good father. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody listening to this, what your situation of a father is, but Yahweh is a good father. He is, mm-hmm. he is a just one. He is not like humanity's, whether, whatever situation you've had, mm-hmm. he's going to look at your questions and like his child, the Holy Spirit will walk with you with patience mm-hmm. and kindness and show you it. He'll, he'll walk with you as you question. It's a yeah. beautiful thing to be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. The importance is asking that question with the Holy Spirit, because if mm-hmm. I think if you're not asking that prayerfully, it could easily result in like despair a hundred percent um so yeah like you said community like don't be afraid to tell your friends that you're having these conversations (laughs) and asking these questions because if you do it by yourself you very well could despair and also like what you just said is so important because it builds community and it builds this connection with your brothers and sisters in christ as you wrestle with these things together bearing your burdens um freshman year i'm i came in and I've told you all, like, I've been a Christian my whole life. And there's certain, like, those critical questions I didn't wrestle with because I just merely was like, I would, I would, I was, I'll say this. I was literally like, I'm okay without knowing because, like, I just know God exists and everything. And I didn't need that critical, like, that critical thinking and everything. But then I met my friend Grant. And then Grant started asking me certain questions and asking me the proof of God. And guess what? Me just saying, like, I have faith. He literally would straight up look at me. That's not good enough. Like, and, but here's the thing. And this is where I now correct myself on my original thought is I do need it Mm -hmm. because I know God more because I wrestled with my brother on those questions Mm -hmm. because we went to scripture together on both things that we weren't even in the unknown, challenging one another on stuff about the emotional side of things. And like, we both had things that we were very knowledgeable on coming in and we helped each other out with that. But what came out of it was this beautiful thing of me sitting there like, who am I to say that, man, this, who am I to say that I don't need to know more about God? Mm. That's a, that's malarkey to sit there and say like, I don't need to know more. I don't need to know these things. If I have the opportunity to see a question about God, his character, creation, 
may I boldly dive into mm. it fearlessly. Like Paul says, like, may I fearlessly share the mysteries of the gospel. We cannot just sit there and expect a Holy Spirit um, uh, vending machine just to give of these profound wisdom, but we need to seek the Lord. And with your de- deconstruction thing, there's this guy who wrote this famous book called The Case for Christ named Lee Strobel. And he literally went in because he wanted to deconstruct the argument for God. And he came out constructing this awesome argument of him coming to faith and knowing the Lord more and finding out. So as you go into like those questions and you go into that community, you we do need it. We need to wrestle with those things because it builds us in ways. It built my faith in ways. And I even have friends back in. Um, again, shout out to my Gary, uh, Garrett, because he thinks a lot like you. And he asked me a lot of questions I didn't know the answer for. But now I know more and I know my God more because somebody actually wanted to wrestle with those things with me. Um, and so anybody out there that was in my shoes right now and you're just like, oh, it's okay if I don't know. I just want to I just want to challenge you. You have the opportunity to know God more and also share the mysteries of the gospel mm-hmm. with people that wrestle with those things. I think I, I think of, um, you know, the Bible talks a lot about having faith like a child. And you think of children. All they do is ask questions. Yeah. What does this mean? Or why is it like this? Or what does Jesus mean when he says this? And they're not afraid. They don't have a filter. You know what I mean? I think that's part of what it means to have faith (laughs) like a child is to be willing to ask those questions like pretty consistently because kids know they don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And that's why they ask. And I think the flip side, you were saying that, um, like, I don't need to know any more about God. I, I believe he exists. That's enough. I think the complete opposite side of that is having the arrogance to think that I've learned all I can yeah, and to quit asking questions. So it's these two complacencies. And in the middle is this tension of, I don't know everything. And I want to know more mm. because it's honoring God. Yeah. And I would say for anybody who's listening and is like interested in that shameless plug for three of my top, my top three favorite books, Case for Christ, Lou Strobel, mm-hmm. really good. Um, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist yep. by whatever his I name is. And the last one I would say is Mere Christian- Christianity yeah. by C.S. Lewis. Those are all pretty popular and, uh, that's easy to find. Easy to find. It's not going to get you into the the deepest parts, but if you're beginning to like want to ask questions and get into it, those are the three most influential books that I started my research in. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not enough fit to be an atheist. Is by a um, guy named Norman Gessler. Yep, Norman, Norman Gessler. Gessler. And um, for those three, oh, books, and Frank Turek. And Frank Turek. Yep. For anybody that's listening, we're going to put some links in the description for those books. Um, so if you want to go see them, I know they're not that expensive. Um, I know Mere, Mere Christianity is one of the best. Uh, all of them are actually Barnes and Noble. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah, if you go into the religion section of any Barnes and Noble, they'll have that book and everything. Yeah. Um, so um, one question we like to ask as we kind of like near the end is that, um, if you, if you could tell students today, kids that are wrestling with their call into ministry or people that are just wrestling with their calling in life in general, if you could give them one piece of advice that you wish you knew when you were their age or 
before college or the time when you were wrestling with what you need to do, what would that advice be? Specifically for high school students or yeah. going into, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, You you don't have to be anything you're not yet. Mm-hmm. You're you're just a high school student. Mm-hmm. That adds tremendous value. You're a you're a high school student. You have a perspective on the world that nobody else has. You have an area of life and maybe one of the most unreached people groups in America, mm-hmm. a public high school that you can step into. Um, So know your worth there and don't feel like you have to be anything but who Christ wants you to become. Ministry is not, don't don't give in to the American lie that ministry is about doing something. It's about becoming like Christ and he will form you. So get with your mentors, get with your peers, and think critically and try to dive into the scripture, wrestle with hard questions, ask what does it mean to pray, pray, get into the meat of things. Don't give that, that shallow answer in small group. Like my advice is to you is just to become who Christ wants you to be. Mm. Grow in your holiness, grow in your love for his presence, Mm. Uh, know him deeper in community. Don't think you have to be a pastor right now. Yeah. I feel like that's so holistic too. Of like, that's such a word to anybody that's listening that's not caught into like the ministry. No matter what profession we're going into as believers, we're doing ministry. Yeah. And that, like what you just said, is becoming like Christ. Um, And that's just a, it's a beautiful word. Um, and one thing we, me and Griffin, like to do at the end of our podcast is after we've heard the calling and heard what you're doing in life right now, we like to give some affirmations for you um, and things we want to affirm you on and encourage you on. Nope. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Tell me what you love about me. <laughs> we have a joke, me and Dan do. It's totally a joke. It's a joke. It's uh, anything to feed the ego. So it's like, it's true. It's just a joke. That's not holy. It's not, but don't feed people's egos. But um, do you want to go first or me? Grant Armstrong, the man who would put Dietrich Bonhoeffer to shame. Jeez. (laughs) In all all seriousness. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. Your love for scripture, man, is so inspiring. And your joy, it just kind of radiates whenever you're in a room and you're speaking to somebody. Very inspiring. Um, and just like your hunger to know more, like I can still tell you have that curiosity, um, and you don't have that arrogance of, I know everything. Mm. So there's no reason to keep going, but you, you charge forward Mm. hungrily wanting more of God and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. So good. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about you. And like I said on the thing, like he's one of my best friends. Um, but one thing I'll say is that 
um, this is as I was thinking as we were in the podcast uh, and just talking about where you were. Oh, goodness. Hit the mic. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, as we were talking about uh, just where you were coming into that conference and then where you are now, four years later, and being your friend from the start of freshman year to now and seeing how our friendship has developed. But um, I, I have a calling really into youth ministry. It's really where I'm feeling led. And stories like you are drive me and give me so much passion of how the amount of change that can happen within four years or two years, or even the person you were last year, mm-hmm. completely different to the person you are now because of your passion in the Christ. And it, it makes me, it just, it's just shows that the life change that can happen within a student's life within years of time. Um, and the example that you live by is that I'm, everybody that's listening, I'm going to tell you, this man doesn't live like he's the same person he was four years ago. When he talks about himself four years ago, he, he talks about him as if he's a dead man. If it, that person's gone, that person's away. And that truly is how you live, is that you don't live to show off your past. You live that you t- share your past to glorify Christ about the new creation he's made you to be. And that's something to understand that is just, I think it's the reason you're the person you are. It's the reason that you're so willing to go into things and do things that the Lord has called you to do. And it's why you make a lot of people around you, you call them to a higher standard of living because you believe in them and you believe in what God has for them. And that's just your character. And I, I love it about you, man. And it's helped me become a better man. So, yeah. Thanks guys. I love you guys. Yes. Grant, cool. how can we be praying for you? Hmm. Um. Well, I'm engaged. Mm. Yeah, that's going to need some prayer. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just end. pray for Eden? Probably <laughs> 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 you should. Um, I really want to be a good husband. I really want to love her well and be faithful to her and be faithful to Christ. Um, so that's my first prayer request. And my second prayer request is for us as a couple to desire the Lord's presence more and more. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of new stuff, you know, we're going to be married. We, uh, most likely will be in Australia in a year. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff on our plate and we just want to know God's presence more. So if you could just ask his Holy spirit to like create more of a heart to know him and to be in his presence more, uh, those would be my two mm-hmm. biggest prayer, prayer requests right now. So I can pray. You're going to take number one. I can take number two. Sounds good, brother. Lord, I just, I thank you that you have instilled this desire and grant to want to be a good husband. Lord, how often do we first think of how they are good for me, but Grant first says, how can I be good for them? How can I be good for Eden? Um. And I pray that more than good, more than what we would say, oh, that's that's a good husband. But I pray that he is a righteous man um, and that as he desires you and comes closer to your heart, Lord, that he becomes the man that loves his wife like Christ loves the church. I couldn't say it any better than what your scripture says is that 
for Grant to be called to that high purpose, to make that covenant with somebody, to unify as one person, and then for the rest of their lives that he would serve her as Christ has loved, agape loved the church. I pray that that desire just burns in his heart and that even 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, if their marriage, however long it lasts, that every day that he is with her, that that desire continues to burn inside of him to be that man he needs to be. But as he continues to grow, um, I just also in the same way, um, I pray that he always just looks towards you. And that the reason that he is a better husband, the reason he is a better man, does not come from him trying to earn love or trying to earn his place as a good husband, but it merely comes from looking at you. And even as Psalms 37 says, Lord, may I set my ways towards you, Lord. And I know that you will make him and refine him into the man he needs to be for his wife and even possibly, Lord, as a future father to kids. I, I know when he seeks you, and he desires you, he will look more like you. God, I thank you that you're too big to be confined to a room or to a building. I thank you that you're always with us. Um, and I pray that as Grant and Eden move forward in this next step, that whatever uh, idols might take the throne of their hearts, that you would dethrone that idol. Um, even if the one who's on that throne is their spouse, as you would dethrone that, and take that place at the top. And that you would be the number one desire of both of their hearts because it is through loving you that they can love each other better. and Mirror the relationship between Christ and his church. So I pray that they would recognize your presence more often. That they would call out to you more often. They would pray without ceasing. That they'd pray together every day. That they'd build their marriage on the foundation that is the presence of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray this over them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Dennis. Well, thanks, bro. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Thank you. And we just want to thank everyone who's been listening to the podcast. Um, Podcasting's weird. It's definitely still new for us, but we appreciate the sharing. We we appreciate if you share the podcast for likes. I'm just telling your youth pastor about it, telling your church leader. um, Spread the word because we we don't want this podcast uh, to get popular. We want it to reach the right people. We want it to be a ministry to those who feel lost uh, and they're called a ministry. So share it. Um, if you know someone who feels called, whether you know if they're lost or not, they probably feel a little lost. Mm-hmm. So 
tell them about it. Tell them about the called collective.com. Um, and we just want to thank, uh, the, the band Caledonia for all the music you've heard on our podcast today. Um, you can find them on Instagram at official Caledonia and down below in the show notes, you can find their Bandcamp link. So click that and check them out. All right. Thanks guys. All right. Love you. See you next week. Bye. state of twilight